Hello and welcome. This is Communication Means Talking Together. My name is Arjun Bakshi. Let's learn a little bit about communication skills, leadership skills, and really how you'd like to improve your life, your career, and your outlook. Let's start. A topic that I have a lot of discussions about with clients and people I work with is the idea of executive presence. This is a relatively new term in in the grand scheme of things. The term leadership has been around a long time. The term management has also been around a long time. But executive presence is, to that extent, relatively new, not more than a few decades old. And it's coming to the business article and book and talk and seminar space very powerfully of late as entrepreneurship, especially in the US, Canada, and Europe has really picked up. Because what used to happen is that very specific people from very specific schools, colleges, and companies were executives. And so there was this archetype that was created. But now, thanks to the internet, software companies, you know, Silicon Valley startups and the like, people from a really wide variety of backgrounds are getting an opportunity to found a company or be a key leader in the company very often because they have a skill set that simply is so rare that no other person could be that kind of tech leader specifically with the emerging technologies that are part of all the main companies we work for or that whose services we utilize. So long story short, a lot of people want to know what it is to be an executive and can you learn to have that persona, have that impact, and carry yourself like one of those polished people that used to exist, or so we think anyhow, in years past. So let's do a a definitional deep dive here, and then think about what it takes to have that persona, that presence, and ultimately see how we can apply it to ourselves. So the word executive, let's think about what it conjures up. You think about someone in formal wear, right? Suit of some kind, be it male or female. You think of someone that isn't to be messed with. It's very to the point, very brisk, short on time always, asking sharp, tough questions, no nonsense, and wielding the power, as the term executive, to make decisions. Aha, uh-huh, there you go. The key piece here, and we'll come back to it a few times today, is the decision-making power. You cannot be an executive, have any presence of any kind, if to begin with, you do not have a certain amount of decision-making power. So let's reflect what kinds of decisions do we make, do you make as 
anyone listening today to this podcast. You can make budgetary decisions. If so, how much can you approve? How many dollars or whatever currency you work with, how much can you give an approval for without someone else having to sign off on it? Another kind of executive power, can you approve a project? What kinds of projects? Uh, how big can those projects be? Do they affect just your office? Or if your company has multiple offices, can your decision-making affect the work done other offices? Network rollouts, software rollouts, policy rollouts. What about hiring, right? Can you make a decision to hire someone? What kind of people can you hire? How many people can you hire? So those are some, some points to ponder, if you will. Decision-making power is what defines the executive. Your willingness to execute it, your ability to wield it, and the knowledge that others have about this ability and willingness of your decision-making power will give you at least one strong base point to your executive persona. So decisions is part of it. Agreed. But think back to that image, that the picture we were trying to paint. Asking sharp, tough questions. It's the way executives talk, right? Isn't that part of it? Executives come in many, many forms, right? There's the one kind, which is long-winded, maybe saying too many things too often, maybe repeating themselves, maybe speaking in redundancy. And above all, comically enough, executives will be loath to say, I don't know. They can't afford to, right? They lose face. And that's another, that's one thing that's, I suppose, a downside of being an executive, right? That you have this pressure, like any leader, in any kind of hierarchical setup. You don't want to look bad. You don't want to seem like you don't know what you're doing or that you're not qualified to be there. So let's go back again to the speaking or communication styles. Some executives might be long-winded, very wordy. Right? They explain things in many words. Others are much more to the point, to the point of being cryptic, where you don't really know what they mean, or they oversimplify things. Either way, they use way less words, they're very to the point, and they have sometimes less patience. Naturally, you, the dear respected listener, do not want to be someone that conveys lack of patience. But I think on a positive, we can all adopt the fewer words is better practice, being concise and to the point, not letting the, meet, the meeting go too long with repetition and redundancy. So, so far, what do we got? Executive presence is about decision-making power, knowing what decisions we can make without approvals from others. And it's about how we communicate. A striking piece of it being the ability to say important things 
in few words. Let's, let's try to unpack the, the communication piece a little bit more. As I've discussed with a lot of people who've asked me about this kind of topic, I really feel like great executives are able to thread the needle between the forest and the trees. Let me explain. The trees being here a metaphor for talking about details and the forest being the big picture. Those are often competing lenses to look at a particular problem or solution for that matter. We can be abstract and sparse on details and, and kind of get the main idea, right? For instance, let's say you're looking at uh, your company's marketing. Naturally, you look at the ads that your competition is running, you look at the ads that you're running, you look at some metrics, right? And you look at maybe some surveys and some data about your typical customer. Hopefully, you know who your customer is. Let's take that as a given for now. So uh, what would be the deep dive on marketing? It would be, it would be keywords. It would be numbers. It would be uh, geographic data. It would be socioeconomic data. Lots of things, right? Population level data. But what would be the big picture? The big picture is figuring out what people's overall interests are, what their concerns are, what makes them make a buying decision, and what doesn't. And ultimately, thinking about how we see our company and how our customers might see our company. Is that one and the same? How can we bridge the gap if there is one? That's the big picture thinking. The data, as long as it is congruent with the big picture thinking, you're on the right track. This is hard to do because, as I've learned from experience, people who have a more technical mindset feel that the moment you start talking high level, you're going to have to jettison and subordinate some data, and that could give an incomplete picture. And that, that's disconcerting, understandably. So how do, we, how do we get over that concern, right? The concern about, well, are we you know, making a decision on incomplete data? The best way to figure this puzzle out is this. We sift through data and we try to make themes that explain and connect different kinds of data sets and data sources, connecting that with the type of customer that we've come to know buys our products. Maybe there's more than one type. And if we're able to make those connections, geographically, socioeconomically, and otherwise, to that customer persona, a certain age, a certain location, a certain type, a certain personality, you're able to make an aha moment, big picture that we need to focus on this product at this time of year for this type of customer so that they can buy it because these, this particular holiday or occasion is coming up and that's when they're ready to pull out their wallet, so to speak. 
And it's that kind of decision-making, strategic thinking, big picture, informed by data, talk that is the definition of an executive. And because you and you alone in that one room or Zoom call are able to do that, you stand out. You have presence. See what we did there? So executive presence, are there any, shall we say, points we should avoid? Like we've already talked, being wordy, just because nobody else has the courage to cut you off in a meeting, definitely something to avoid. Being brusque, being curt, being rude, having the wrong attitude with people, just because you have decision-making power, including hiring and, quite frankly, firing power, that's not a good way to go about things. It creates a negative culture and creates attrition in your workforce. People are not motivated. You have to put in a lot more effort in, in your team management skills to get the same output. So it's, it's a bad outcome for everyone. So if we can be strategic, we can look at the data, we can be precise without being curt, we can explain well enough without taking up too much time, and we can find a way to be motivating and inspirational and leave people with the energy to quickly and with urgency execute on your decision. That is the absolute perfect Shangri-La level of executive presence that you're going for. A closing thought here is, well, I get it. I know what I'm working for. But I feel, let's say you feel it's out of your reach. And you feel, I've got a long way to go before I can be that kind of executive. How do I start getting there? Let's put it this way. Practice the art of giving a presentation in 20% less time than you're used. So if your typical readout at your weekly meeting, uh, when you're giving updates on a project, let's say you normally take 10 minutes. Next week, try and do it in eight. Then try and do it in seven, maybe five, and so on. That would be a very good start. Because without deep understanding of the content, its ramification, the ecosystem, the stakeholders, there is no way that you could reduce the amount of words to explain those concepts and, do, and not do justice to them. So the more you understand what you're talking about, the easier it is for you to be brief and explain. That's step one. Step two, think about how there is a big picture involved in the given topic and think about all the sets of data that are involved. And each time you come up with a new presentation to work on, ask yourself, what's the big picture? What are the key data points? And find connections between the big picture story that you're trying to tell and the data points that are available to. So if we are brief, 
if we are well versed in the content and we have the right data telling us the right story, all that remains is the ability to convey a conclusion and urge a call to action. So try this practice the next time you are specifically asked for your recommendation, even if you're not a senior most leader or even one of the senior leaders in a given meeting. Try to figure out what would you say? I urge the committee to adopt this plan because of this reason, for example, it's the most economical one. It will give us this much percentage return on investment within this many months. And finally, we will be able to achieve X benefit with this type of client. That kind of single sentence takeaway is what your committee, your team is dreaming of. Give them the information they need simply, powerfully, clearly, and with action orientation. Thank you for joining us this week. With communication means talking together. Join us every week. And we can also be in touch via email or through our social media. Go to our website, cultureofspeak.com, for more details. And see you next week. Goodbye for now.